You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. Let's join in for this week's message. Title of this message is Rise Above It. And um, talked about Noah last week. But um, I want you to think about something. Because a lot of times we just don't think this whole thing through. But I want you to think about something a minute. We are all born into a fallen world. And that means that we are coming into an environment that is hostile to our spiritual well-being. Think about this. I want you to think deep here for a moment. We are spirit beings, but we are housed in a fleshly body. I, I, Miles Monroe called it an earth suit. I kind of like that. This is our earth suit. But we have a spirit, and that spirit is under attack. From the time we are born, because we are born into a fallen world, and it is a hostile environment for our spiritual well-being. Does that make sense? Because it's our human fleshly side that is under attack to destroy our spiritual side for all eternity. See, we are all born on different battlefields. I, I get it. God gets it. We're, we're all born on different battlefields, but God knows we're still at some point going to be in an all-out war for our spiritual well-being, for our soul. An all-out assault and attack in a raging battle is going on for your soul. It doesn't matter if you're born rich or if you're born poor or if you're born, born spoiled or abused. An all-out attack will be raging for your soul. Sadly, we don't hardly enter this battle. We don't even, half the time, we don't even know we're in this battle. We're told to get saved. We're told to get a, you know, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate, the armor of God. But all we've been told about was the helmet of salvation. So we're running around on the battlefield butt naked with nothing but a helmet on. And we've got to realize we've got to get armored up and ready to fight this battle. Because, listen, we have a full-time adversary and we can't be a part-time Christian and win this battle. Hebrews 11, verse 7, says, By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. 
Notice it's faith. Evidence comes from faith. The ark became the evidence of Noah's faith. Leaving became the evidence of Abraham's faith. Come on. There's always going to be faith is going to manifest something. Are y'all with me? The ark, think about this a minute. That ark, as it was being built, was condemning the world at that time. Every tree that was cut down, every board that was made out of that tree, for over a hundred years, this ark is being built and it's condemning the people as they're mocking it. Come on, we're going somewhere here today. You need to think about this. Noah's building an ark and every board and tree that was fallen and made and put together was condemning the world that was mocking the very thing that could save them. Are y'all with me? Look in 1 Peter chapter 3. Holy is the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 3. Now we read this last week, but we're going to read it again. Verse 18, let me just start there. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah, during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. And corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus didn't go down there and preach to a bunch of people and say, okay, this is your second chance. That's not what this is. He went down there and said to those that had lived right, that were caught up in grave in the death, boys, it's time to go. I finished. It is finished. The work is done. Right? And they're not saying that it's this baptism saves. They're not, that's not what they're, baptism doesn't save you. Faith is what saves you. Believing in Jesus Christ, okay? That's what saves you. Now look in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's lay a little, let's connect a few dots here. 2 Peter chapter 3. Starting in verse 3. Now, the first of now, this, first of all, know this, first of all. It'd help if I get that right. Know this. 
First of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Listen, he says, know this, they're going to mock. And they're going to say, where is this promise? What is the promise that he's talking about? When Noah built the ark and then they got out, they were in the ark, a, they were in the ark a year and 10 days. That's how long they were in the ark. Can you imagine? A year and 10 days in the ark. A lot went on in that ark. A lot of poop, a lot of feeding, a lot of, come on. Lots is going on in there. There was, I mean, you'd want to talk about work. I mean, it's work. Have you ever cleaned a stock trailer? Could you just imagine living in it? But it was the best place to be. You could gripe about the poop, but look outside. So here they are. They're in this ark and they come out and they see this rainbow. The rainbow is God's covenant reminder to us that we look at all the time to remind us that he's not going to judge the world like that again. The promise was is the next time it'll be burned up by fire. <laughs> oh, joy. Yeah, I mean... Come on. See, the promise is now the next time, fire. Prepared for those who aren't living in faith, who don't believe, who aren't work, walking according to his word. And then here's all these mockers that are going to be saying, because how many of y'all heard it from your grandparents and your mom and daddy? Oh, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Every preacher for a hundred years has been saying, Jesus is coming back. You better repent, you sinners. Come on. We've got them standing on street corners. Repent, you sinners. The wind of the world is coming. Come on. We've all been there. And if we're not careful, we're, we're sitting there going, where is this coming? They've been talking about this for 100 years. And we get caught up in the doomsday end of the world, left behind, right? And we just kind of coast. We just kind of coast along. We're not really advancing. We're not really, we're just kind of sitting here waiting for something to happen. Come on. 
Are y'all with me? But look what it says. It says, the Lord is not slow. Look in verse, nine, in verse 8. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow about his promises. Why? Because one day is like a thousand years, right? The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient. Come on. But is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and debate whether or not we're in this last day. I, I'm not going to sit up here and talk to you about Armageddon and I ain't preaching to you all about what I'm going to preach to you about is how to live today right now. I'm not going to sit up here and go, hey, where are you going to go if you die tonight? I don't care. Here's what I'm going to tell you to do. I'm going to tell you how to live right now. How to occupy, how to build your ark to save your household. That's what we're going to focus on. We're not going to focus on all this other noise that's going on around us. Why? Because we don't have to. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We got somebody higher than Joe Biden sitting on a throne that will last forever, whose economy will not fail, whose streets are paved with gold. Come on. Who is patiently waiting for us to repent and get this right. Come on, are y'all with me? Because let me tell you something. Everybody in here has got family that ain't got their stuff together. There's some of us sitting in here. I'm one. Ain't got all my stuff together. Come on. <laughs> what? See, we are living. Man, if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. We're living in the patience of God. I hear people all the time so mad because God ain't done something yet. Come on. Oh, I just wish, just God. No, that's not God. Think about this for a minute. Think about Noah building this ark. Knowing what this ark represented. Knowing what was fixing to come. It says Noah being warned by God of the judgment coming. 
Can you imagine as Noah's building this ark and he's passing through town and he's seeing people going about their day like nothing's going on. And I mean, we're talking about living in a time when it was bad. About like right now. Moral compass is broke. There isn't a moral compass. And Noah, can you imagine Noah's heart when he begins to see? I'll never forget the day when God showed me something that floored me. And it was during the uh, Houston rodeo, and I was on the back of the bucket chutes at the Astrodome. And I remember standing on the, there's always going to be moments in your life that you'll remember some profound things that God does. And, and it'll, it'll, it'll never leave you, but it'll begin to shape the way you view and see things. Does that make sense? And I was standing there on the back of the bucket chutes, and I remember looking up. It was the Astrodome at that time. You know how it's round. And I remember standing there looking around at all these thousands. It was packed. And I remember looking at all these thousands of people. And when you're, sta when you're on the floor of the Astrodome and you're looking around, it's huge. And I was looking around at all the people and it was like the Lord... How many are going to make it? Let me tell you, that heaviness, it was a weight. And I remember sitting there thinking, my God. The weight of that. And I remember that same thing happened to me at the PBR finals this year. I'm looking around and I'm thinking... And then the Lord says, that's why you're here. That's why you're here. You could get upset and go, I ain't coming to this worldly thing anymore. My God, they've done throw this to the devil. Come on. And the Lord says, no, that's why you're here. Keep building. Amen. You keep building. You keep building that ark and you keep telling the ones that will listen. You keep telling the ones that will listen. It may only be eight that get on the ark, but at least that's eight you didn't. Come on. You got to keep on keeping on. We can't just sit back. You got to start having eyes and start seeing. And listen, that you'll never hear the mocking. I remember being on the street walking in the middle of drug deals one night and, and, and I remember hearing them and it was this one apartment complex. This is when I first got really turned on and, and man, we would go to the streets and, and, and I, it was nighttime. Oh, I think back now, I'm like, my God. And you look back, you see, but I, I walked in the middle of this drug deal and I hear it, I hear them, 5-0, 5-0, 5-0, 5-0. They thought I was the police. And, and I didn't snap at the time. And I was like, no, no, man. I, I'm not the police. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. And every one of them went, 
oh man, and I mean, they went to wild. I mean, they're going off, and, and it, it was the most amazing thing because I remember looking through all of them, and I seen one in the back, and he just put his head down. And all these other ones were mocking. And I walked right through the middle of them and I said to him, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And let me tell you, the mocking stopped. And they all dispersed. And then me and that young man sat there and talked about Jesus. You won't even hear it. And you just walk right through and find that one. Come on. Because it'll be that one that can touch them. You're there for one. You ain't there for all them. You're there for one. And then this one will change them. Come on, are y'all with me? You just got to keep building. You just got to keep doing what God's called you to do. Because we're living in his patience. And we have to remember that. Are y'all with me? See, we're learning how to be and walk in the midst of a crooked and perverse world. But we can rise above it. We can rise above it all. In our families, we can save them from the destruction of sin, from missing the mark. Listen, God has a plan for a great harvest. But the thing about it is, is it may not look like anything you ever heard. And it's not going to look like anything you ever heard. And it's not going to be because we hang a sign out there, which we ain't got a sign. But you can bet that it's not going to be because there's a sign that says revival. It ain't coming because of that. It's because we're building our ark. Come on. It's because we're occupying, we're being steadfast, we're walking in his word, we're living amongst them, right in the middle of them. Come on. It's going to be a revival when God's people who live and follow the word of God live like Jesus lived on this earth. We are going to live like him. See, we're not leaving this earth this always cracks me up. We're not leaving this earth. All these planes crashing, these cars running into each other, and everybody going, oh, UFOs got them. That's not what this is going to be. They're going to know exactly why we're gone. They're going to know because they're going to be glad when we're gone. Because we were the only thing standing in their way to fulfilling every lustful, fleshly craving that they have. One Holy Spirit-filled believer keeps the devil from taking and being the prince of this world. One. As long as one Holy Spirit-filled, anointed believer lives here, he can't take reign. 
<laughs> oh. <laughs> Come on now. We're the ones keeping him from... And they're going to be happy when we're gone. Genesis chapter 5. Come on, are y'all with me? Ours is a story of victory. Genesis chapter 5. We're just touching up on some things here. Where am I at? 29. Genesis chapter 5, verse 29. Now he called his name Noah. Lamech is Noah's dad. Now he called his name Noah, saying, This one shall give us rest from our work, from the toil of our hands, rising from the ground, which the Lord has cursed. Now he called his name Noah. Lamech in that day, he's the only son that passed away before his father did. Methuselah outlived Lamech. And when there's in those writings I was telling you about, the books of Enoch, um, it says when Noah was born, Lamech was afraid of him because he was so, he knew he was special. And so when, when Lamech named Noah, you, you almost see a frustration there because L Lamech knew the history of how sin came into the world. Lamech knew, I mean, they had, they had, I, I mean, it was like Adam lived so long. Now, can you imagine Methuselah would be writing all this history down? And so Lamech knew the history and how sin came into the earth and came into the world. And so you can imagine the frustration of having firsthand knowledge of a place where when you planted a seed, all you had to do was get protect. You, you didn't have to get the weeds. Come on. You, all you had to do was plant and harvest. You just had to plant and you just had to harvest. We don't know any, we, we can't even wrap our head around that. You didn't have to sit there and 
and keep the weeds out of it, keep the bugs off of it, keep the birds off of it. You didn't have, come on, y'all hear me. You didn't have the plant, you didn't have to call a lemon on Saturday and figure out, hey, what's going on with my maters? Right? Isn't that the garden guy? Lemon? Y'all don't listen to AM radio anymore? You didn't have to do any of that. And that you, listen, you didn't have to try so hard to make a living. You didn't have to toil at trying to hammer out a livelihood. You didn't have to work through all the frustrations of financial difficulties, permits. Come on, there should have been some amens, lots of amens in here. Inspectors, come on. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Late freight. You, I mean, you didn't... <laughs> so Lamech is like, hey... This one is fixing to give us rest. In the midst of Lamech is living in a time when the moral compass is broke. Can you imagine the thievery, the, the stealing, the lying, the just they're living by their instincts. It's a bunch of animals. Give me mine, give me mine. Can you imagine? And Lamech remembers how awesome. So he says, this Noah, he knows the history. He knows the entrance. He's almost speaking out of frustration. He calls it out, the toil of the ground, cursed because of sin. See, here's what you have to understand. Our mandate was to keep it blessed and to multiply. We, all we had to do is keep it blessed and keep it multiplying. And now the frustration is, is he's not living in that blessed where it multiplies. You get to keep it or share it or sow it or come on. Now he's having to protect it from thieves, protect it from. Come on, y'all hear what I'm saying? We were to be a to live in a blessing and to multiply that blessing. So there was frustration there. Philippians chapter 3. And can you imagine when Jesus went... When he went back and said, it's done, boys. Now we can get back to being blessed. Now we can get back to multiplying. Now the enemy can't run roughshod over us. And we can come into the presence of God right here in the midst of this earth and be blessed and multiply. We can fulfill the mandate that God put on us in the garden. Come on, is this making sense? Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Paul's talking. 
But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ." And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of it, lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching for what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now you have to understand when, when that first song, come, when, when the second song, whatever song, that um, when you say, if you say yes, if you say no, or if you say wait, that Reno sang, I will worship. The hardest thing for a believer to do is to hear no or wait. That's the hardest thing to do. But here's the deal. It's the trials. It's the, the, it's the pressure is what builds our faith that we may know Christ and the power of his resurrection. He said, I share in the sufferings. I'm sharing in the pressure and the sufferings and I count everything as loss. Even if you say no or if you say wait, you're still worthy. Let me tell you, there's no greater sign of maturity is when he says wait and you say praise God. There's no greater sign of maturity. I'm telling you, you want to find out how mature somebody is, tell them no. Hey, I want to do this. I want to, I want to have a clothes drive. No. And they get mad and leave the church. The problem is, is if I say yes to your clothes drive, you're not going to man it, and I'm going to be stuck manning it, so no. <laughs> Sometimes no is the greatest thing you'll ever tell the people around you to find out how mature they are. Sometimes God's telling you no or wait just to put a little pressure on to see what comes out. Come on, if you're going to spit the bit or if you're going to hunker down and keep praising anyway. Oh, come on, man, that's good stuff right there. 
See, when we follow in the sufferings and brokenness of Christ, we then share in the power and the resurrection. It says, in order, in order that I may gain Christ. Remember what Christ means? The anointed one. We are gaining the anointing of Christ to be able to walk here on this earth as He walked. Well, I just don't know about that. I'm telling you right now, we're going to lay hands on the sick, they're going to recover. We're going to lay hands on the dead and they're going to wake up. We're going to lay hands on blind eyes and they're going to recover. It's just here in America, we've just settled for that helmet of salvation. We haven't pressed on. Come on. For the higher, for that upward call. We've been invited to do all this. To walk in the power of His resurrection. That's a power. Listen, the power of His resurrection, it just went, changed Him. Brought Him back to life. Healed His body. Come on, man. We're going to be acquainted with tribulation in this world. But it makes us, it doesn't break us because we're in Christ. The people willing to continue following the word of God, being obedient, pressing on higher, will rise above all the noise and we'll be living in the power of his resurrection. See, we have a covenant reminder. We have a covenant reminder in the sky every time it rains that we have even a better covenant than that. Come on, man. That we can rise above anything in our culture. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Come on, he's, here's what he's doing. He's working on your vision here. He's working on how you see things. It's just like standing on the floor in that Astrodome and seeing all them people and being broken, wondering how many is going to make it. That's what, this, that's what he's saying here. When you see people in the grocery store how are you seeing them? Come on, are y'all with me? The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. That we might live, not sit. Come on. We weren't saved to sit. We were saved to live. We were saved to live in the power of His resurrection, walk in His anointing through the Holy Spirit. Come on. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the 
Propituation. Does anybody know what that means? Good, because I'm going to tell you. The word means to regain favor. Now hear me now. My pastor always said, favor ain't fair. And you'll hear us say it around here, favor ain't fair. And the other day we was eating lunch with him and he goes, favor ain't fair. He said, the favor of the father, father, the favor of the father favors the ones who favor the father. This is such a powerful truth. The favor of the father favors the ones who favor the father. You're worthy. I wash your hair. Wipe your feet. I'm worshiping you. I'm breaking tradition. I'm breaking custom. Favor said, Simon, do you see what she's doing? It's going to be spoken of. Favor. Come on. Look what it says. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. I love those parts where it's perfected. It's not like we just get it all at once. I love the part in that song where it says, I'm going to keep saying it until I mean it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to keep saying it until I mean it. Perfected in us. Verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit, of his anointing. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. We are bearing that witness. We are building that ark. We are, come on, man. Christ is the ark. It is the salvation of our souls. As we are building and being perfected, as we are walking in his love, as come on, are y'all with me in here? As we as Christ is becoming more and more in us, it is becoming manifest to a world. Oh man. Look, here we go. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And I know this is a lot. By this, love is perfected with us that we may have confidence 
in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. And I'm telling you right now, 2020 showed us how much fear was in believers in Christians. Believers in Jesus Christ who are to be perfected in love and casting out all fear crumbled. Come on. Instead of steadily building that ark. And steadily, steadily building that ark. Are y'all with me? This should floor every believer. As he is, so also are we in this world. Did Jesus worry about everything going on in his time? No. When they wanted to kill him, did he go, oh my gosh, it's not my... No. He just walked right through them and disappeared. They didn't even know where he went. Man, we had him. We was going to push him off the cliff. Come on. No, he finished his task. He occupied the whole time he was here. And he walked right through the midst of some of the most religious, oppressive people on the earth. One of the most brutal governments on the earth. And he walked right in the middle of it all and accomplished everything that he was supposed to accomplish. He was blessed and he multiplied right in the middle of it all. And then he said, it's finished. It's finished. And now it says, we also, as he was, we can. So when everybody at work, when family's all jacked up, jerked up, and chomping at the bit and on the muscle, come on, you're just like, what are y'all losing your minds about? Have you not read? Come on. Y'all with me? See, when the church finally figures out that the last and final harvest is going to be because we loved and we lived and we walked in the power of His resurrection like Jesus here on this earth, He'll come. We're not leaving here broke, busted, and disgusted. People are going to know they were Christians. The other half's going to glad we're gone. Come on. 
See, we're going to be laying hands on the sick. They're going to be recovering. Blind eyes open, lame walking, poor preaching good news. See, we don't have to debate them, and we ain't got to argue with them. And if you're living in, listen, our favorite saying around here is preach the gospel, use words if you have to. Just live it in front of them. Your life, when people come to your house, are going to go, man, you've been blessed. Yeah, God's blessed me because we made right choices. Has it been easy? No. The other day, Keisha was opening up at church at the finals. She was telling how hard the year had been. I mean, they, they had won nothing. From Vegas last year till this summer in May, they had won nothing. You know how much diesel it is to fill up them tanks and load all them bulls in the feed to feed all of them? But let me tell you, I watched them stick it out. And I watched God bless them. Come on. We've got to learn to stick it out. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be things we go through. But that doesn't change this. It doesn't change this. When this changes, you're going backwards. You're pressing on right here. Come on, are y'all with me? That's what God's trying to get us to. That's where we're headed. That's what people are going to see. That's what builds the ark. Are y'all with me? Hebrews 11. When you read Hebrews 11, Starts out, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. And then in verse 3, it starts something that is powerful and it just, you know how you read things and then all of a sudden it just jumps out. But it's so powerful because it says by faith. We understand. Verse 4, by faith, Abel. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch. Verse 6 kind of stops and pauses and says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must, be, must believe that he is. Then it goes on, verse 7, by faith, Noah. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham. Verse 9, by faith. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah says the righteous will live by faith. Without faith, it is impossible. 
So here's what I'm telling you. You ain't got to see it. It doesn't even have to be humanly reasonable. (laughs) Because half the time, it's not humanly reasonable. Faith goes past our human reasoning. But it is by faith that we are going to live. And it is by faith that we're going to continue to build even when, come on, when everybody don't understand why we're building and why when we look at a rainbow, we see it as a covenant and a promise of God. It's not a source of pride. It's a source of humble, come on, And we teach without apology that that's not a symbol of pride. That's a symbol that God's not going to judge it by flooding the world again. But the next time, it's going to be by fire. And we are living in God's patience as we build, as we occupy, as we keep this blessed, as we multiply. Come on, are y'all with me? Y'all stand. Here's what I want to tell you. The word vanity, it means... empty and no value valueless the word vanity here's what's happening in our culture as we speak vanity is whispering in the ears all the time Paul says, I count it all as rubbish that I may gain Christ. There is a lot of things in this world. It's just vanity. It's empty and it's worthless. But when you gain Christ, what you have becomes a tool. Come on, are y'all with me? Paul said, I count it all rubbish to be able to gain Christ because we toil and we toil and we toil trying to hammer out a living, trying to hammer out what... Here's what I'm going to tell you that's not vanity building an ark. Building an ark. Letting your children understand why we don't do certain things. Why we don't watch. Why we don't read. Why we don't listen. 
while we don't talk a certain come on are y'all with me while we don't act they're not going to understand now but let me tell you when them drops start hitting the ground they're going to know this is why this is why this is why dad believed all the time this is why dad thought it was important to get here to fellowship with other believers this is why dad mom dad thought it was important to tithe this is why mom and dad did what they did it's why they served it's why they served others come on y'all hear what I'm saying Father, we come to you today and Lord, we thank you that in the midst of all the vanity, in the midst of all the noise that is battling for our spiritual well-being, Lord, help us to see which board to place next. Give us eyes to be able to see those that want to hear. Lord, help us to love the unlovable. To walk here on this earth just as you did. Help us to gain the anointing to be able to live in the power of the resurrection that we can be part of a revival, be part of a harvest. When people come into our midst, they'll know they're loved regardless of their past. And Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love y'all and see y'all next Sunday.